Show. Right now, I'm joined by Associate Professor Jim Headley from the Politics Department. Good morning to you, Jim. Morning. Morning, Jim. How are we today? Good, thanks. Good. Marvellous, marvellous. Uh, right, we're going to talk about the unrest in Belarus. Right. Um, I thought first, uh, a little bit about Belarus. It's a former Soviet state. Um, you know, they have quite close ties with Russia. Not a member of the EU. Uh, has been ruled by Alexander Lukashenko since, um, I think, it's the first and only free elections in 1994. Right. Uh, and is sometimes called the last uh, dictatorship in Europe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's, um, I guess it's quite a closed-off country, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, this last dictatorship in Europe that um, I think Russia's been <laughs> yeah. added to the group in the last few years as well. So, you know, and that sort of um, language which the EU has started using for Russia as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's an incredible situation, really, where you've got one person in power, as you say. He came to power in 1994 with free election, but he's been there ever since. And, there's, you know, these people out on the streets, many of them, he's the only leader they've ever seen. Yeah. Um, as you said, it used to be a former. It, it was part of the Soviet Union. In in some ways, it sort of played a, a key role in the breakup of the Soviet Union because the sort of gathering of the leaders of Belarus, Ukraine, and Russia came together in Belarus and uh, and agreed to sign away the Soviet Union. Um, but you're right too that it's kind of kept close links with Russia. Um, there's normally a kind of quite close state union, but um, in recent years, um, Lukashenko's tried to kind of um, balance that out a bit, partly yeah. for his own interest. Um, and so there have been some tensions with Russia. Yeah, he's kind of like, uh, you know, dabbled a little bit with the West just to get more out of Russia, right? Something like that. Yeah, I think it works both ways, to get more out of the EU and more out of Russia. <laughs> I mean, there's been changes in EU strategy in such cases. They've, um, uh, the leader of the Commission likes to talk about a kind of geopolitical uh, commission these days. So kind of a bit more kind of realist um, having to deal with um, such dictatorships but uh, to realise that it's still in the EU's interest to, to engage. Um, but that, that creates a real dilemma. I mean, I remember back, um, you know, when the EU was following similar sort of policies with, you know, dictators in, in uh, the Middle East and North Africa, and then you had the uprisings and then, you know, there was quite a lot of criticism that the EU had been kind of in some way engaging with these dictators. Mm-hmm. So I think the EU's been fairly quick now to, um, you know, to back the demonstrators and to say, um, partly because of the call from the opposition leader and directed them, um, Tikhanuska, to um, to not recognise the elections and to support the protests. Yeah, yeah. But um, the, the protesters aren't exactly calling for, you know, they're not exactly anti-Russian, though, are they? They're not, like, calling to become members of the EU. No, although ultimately it might be something they want. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that Belarus is quite quite a small country. It's about ten million population. Uh, they're geographically quite small, um, but smaller, I think, than Poland next door. And of course, it neighbours Poland, Lithuania, Latvia. Uh, so it's next to the EU. I think in the long term, uh, there would be an expectation it might join. But we're talking about very, very long term. Yes, yes. But but, it's the, but but you're right, and it's different here from the Ukraine crisis. Um, where that really was kicked off by this question about kind of signing this close association agreement, free trade agreement with uh, the EU, 
this is much more about just wanting free and fair elections and mm-hmm. to get rid of this person who's ruled them for so long. Yeah, so they had uh, they went to the polls on the, on August the 9th. What happened? And um, and tell us a little bit about the opposition leader and her husband, who was originally the opposition leader. Yeah, so he kind of ran the YouTube channel, um, you know, criticising the government and was due to stand and then was kind of arrested, put in prison. Um uh, Tikhonovsko then kind of uh, got together with two other um, uh, wives, actually, of opposition leaders who had also in the, been imprisoned, and they kind of made an agreement that she would stand in the presidential election. Um, she was quite wary about doing so, so, partly for personal reasons, and that she didn't see herself as a natural politician, but also, you know, worried about her family and her kids. Um, but went for it, and then there was this big surge of support for her and, and, and big rallies and, and things. And then opinion polls were showing, you know, that she would do, well, probably win the election. And then it comes to it, and, and Lukashenko's got, you know, 80% yeah. of the votes. So it's just blatant um, vote rigging. Yeah, yeah. Um, she then uh, went to Lithuania because she was worried about the uh, safety of her kids. Um, but it's kind of, uh, you know, um, trying to kind of coordinate... Uh, Basically, a transition of power. She's—they've um, set up something called the National Coordination Council, bringing together about 70 people, I think it is, to try and get dialogue to get a kind of transition, but ultimately to get free and fair elections. Um, you, you think they'd go 60-40 at least to make it look a little bit more? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was looking back at the history, and there was one election where Lukashenko claimed. That it actually got something like 97%, but he had to kind of fiddle the numbers so it didn't look like he was fiddling the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah. yeah I mean, and that, that always surprised me with Putin as well. There's so many times that he would have won so clearly anyway. Yeah. Why yeah. delegitimize it like that? I, I think this know. time it's very different. Of course, Lukashenko wouldn't have won, and, and that's quite quite amazing turnaround really it is an amazing turnaround but and that's the thing he's you know this isn't the first election that has been rigged right, right. But, but it's the first time they've had such um a strong swing to put towards opposition you know what do you, you know i uh, think it's partly kind of more credibility of the opposition leader they're often they're sort of infighting between or, uh, and and there's kind of split vote between different opposition leaders so that kind of coordination partly i think it's just that matter of time and sometimes it just you know people just as I say, especially younger generation who, who just, you know, see the absurdity of this and, and, and look to the West, you know, these neighbours who have changed so much. Um, so, you know, they, these things, it's very hard to kind of pin down exactly why this particular time. And there have been um, demonstrations in the past, but as you say, not on this scale. And not, I think, with that kind of broad um, array of uh, groups from society, including you know, strikes at uh, tractor factories and that kind of thing. And so now we've got um, what some are calling the cockroach um, uprising, a cockroach protest or something like that. Um, so you've got mass protests. And, and interesting, in, in these ones, like you said, there, there have been protests in the, in the past before, but now you've got the state sector workers mm. uh, from state television, which is the mouthpiece of the, you know, of the, of the yeah. regime, um, all the way through to all, all the state-owned enterprises. You've got those people on the streets. They're striking. You've got many, many, uh, you know, massive amounts of the population on the streets as well. Uh, and now Lukashenko, he's ordered a crackdown. You've got people missing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think the last couple of days, yeah, it's a bit concerning because I think 
around the weekend, and they've talked about over 200,000 people just there. That's just in Minsk, I think, demonstrating. Um, you could kind of almost see a quite rapid change in perhaps Lukashenko kind of fleeing to Russia. Now he's kind of declaring this clampdown, and it's, it's a kind of all or nothing, I suppose, for him and those associated with him. So he's trying to, you know, um, arrest the leaders to, to make fear among demonstrators to order... Uh, workers on strike back to work or they'll get sacked. Um, so I think this is a real kind of crucial period to see whether that kind of solidarity stays. Yeah, that is. Um, has coronavirus played a part in this? Um, yeah, I think so a bit. It's interesting actually seeing the scale of the demonstrations. <laughs> um, you know, you see the old person with masks, but um, if, if you're looking at, apart from the people with masks, you wouldn't see it as any different than any other time. Yeah. Um, but... Um, of course, <laughs> Lukashenko was the person who claimed that uh, Belarus wouldn't get it because um, kind of working on tractors and, and going to the sauna and drinking vodka <laughs> would, <laughs> would prevent the virus. Um, so that kind of made him a laughing stock. And, uh, and of course, it has been there. And, um, you know, that lack of policy approach has, has backfired, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Putin hasn't been shy before, and I know that Lukashenko and Putin have talked about in the past about kind of Belarus being reabsorbed into mm-hmm. Russia. Is that you know could we have a Crimean Peninsula type of thing uh, things on our cards? Well, I think not with Lukashenko, and that's part of that kind of shift in the tensions with Russia over the last few years. He he wants his own power. There was talk actually way back in two thousand and eight when Putin had done his two terms, and then he went to become prime minister instead and then came back as president. There was talk that through this union you might have uh, Lukashenko as kind of president of both, or, or oh. in fact Putin as president of, of both. Um, but Lukashenko wants his own power as well, so I, I don't think he'd want um, Belarus to be absorbed into Russia, and that's part of the tension. Not that Russia is necessarily after absorbing Belarus, but certainly sees it in that kind of zero-sum way that if Belarus um, changes, then it's going to shift towards being... Um, you know, pro-EU and, and potentially joining NATO, which is the big no-no for Russia. Um, I think any leader that does replace Lukashenko will be much more cautious about it. And again, unlike with Ukraine, it's not that kind of clear-cut, strong ethnic division. Mm. Um, there, is, there is politics around uh, um, language and about the degree to which um, Belarus should kind of develop a, a stronger separate identity. And Lukashenko's gone the other way, really, and you know, Russian is the main language. Um, the National Independence Day is the day of the, um, the liberation of Minsk during the Second World War. So playing into that whole kind of great patriotic war narrative that Putin also plays into. So there may be some sort of shift from that, but I think any alternative leadership would be very wary about um, taking Belarus completely away from Russia. Um, as, in fact, the EU, I think, are much more cautious about that after Ukraine. Yeah. Um, but... Putin's message is basically, he doesn't like coloured revolutions, that's the whole point with Ukraine, with Georgia before, even with Syria and so on. It's, uh, he doesn't like these kind of uprisings against leaders, partly because he doesn't want it against himself. Yeah, uh, He wants that kind of stability. Uh, and he also plays on this narrative that Lukashenko is now playing out, that this has been stirred up from abroad. Yeah, But he's still been a bit more cautious. He's basically, Putin's basically saying, don't intervene. Um, and there's this military union, or, you know, solidarity pact, basically, that Lukashenko's sort of saying we can call on Russia if 
and you know we could put our troops on the western border there's not going to be any kind of military action from the west mm. um and i think putin's quite wary about kind of actually getting involved in the internal politics of it partly because even he may realize you know the the tide of time is changing yeah in, and he, he doesn't want to be offside with any alternative leadership Part so in fact he may even gain by say playing a leading role in some sort of transition to power well, I mean, when it comes to Russia, like, I mean, oil prices are very low right now, and they probably can't afford any more sanctions from the West either. No, no, and that's another factor actually with Belarus is, is the the oil, which which works in some ways to kind of for both sides, for the EU and for Russia, to try and kind of create stability. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I don't think he wants an, you know another kind of front, if you like, in in this kind of um, tensions with with the West. Yeah, is, is, and, and I say the West more widely as well because it is interesting that um, Secretary of State in the US has also, you know, condemned the election and so on. We never know with Trump, right? No, that's <laughs> right. That's exactly right. But you know, maybe you know there might be a ploy there too, and that's the other yeah. thing you just do not know. No, um, I mean, so where to from here? I mean, would it take a, sh- a total shift in the security forces of Lukashenko to to make this to, you know, to make anything actually happen? Ultimately, yes, I think I think that's what I always say for any of these sort of situations. And if you look back in, say, 1989, revolutions in, in Eastern Europe, and then 1991, when the attempted coup in the Soviet Union, the, the kind of key was the security forces changing sides. Yeah. At the moment, there's not signs of that. At the same time, this is such fraudulent election, so obviously so. And he's, Lukashenko's got so little legitimacy it's hard to see how this is going to die down. It may be repressed for the moment, but I don't think he's going to be there in the long term. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully um, that's what's going to be good for the people of the country because, of course, yeah. that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's right. You know. um, brilliant. Well, um, we'll leave it there. Okay. Thank you for taking the time out to speak to us about this this morning. That's right. My pleasure. Uh, and if anything changes, um, we'll no doubt get, we'll get you back in again and we'll have another chat. Great. All right. Thanks, Thanks Jim. Then. Cheers, okay. mate. Bye. Jim Headley the Associate Professor of Politics here at the University of Otago, talking about uh, the ongoing up unrest in Belarus. Um, you know, it's one of those buffer regions in Europe, sits between uh, Russia uh, and the EU. Um, long, strong ties to Russia, of course, um, with it being a former Soviet state. Uh, and the strong man, um, Lukashenko, he's a um, bit of a dodgy character. Wants to stay in power, keep that grip, uh, but he's got the security forces backing him to do so. So, who knows what's going to happen? But we'll keep a close eye on that, and I'll definitely let you know. We've got to um, keep an eye out for this. If you're interested in more details on this, on what's going on over there, um, there are a couple of Facebook groups actually that um, have popped up. One called Pray for Belarus is one that I follow, uh, and they have updates all the time on what's going on. Um, addresses from the opposition. Um, images of the protests and a whole bunch of other stuff Um, so you can follow that if you're interested Um, let the people know because we don't really know much about this in the west and we really should that was a Radio 191 event podcast you can find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast